0: So on page 1175, you will find at the bottom on the left side of the page some good information about prayer and showy religion. You see, somebody didn't want me to preach this sermon this morning, but I'm really gonna cut up now. Be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw attention If you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Whenever you give to the poor, don't blow your trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and that's the synagogues back in biblical times, and in the streets so that they may get praise from people. I assure you that's the only reward that you're gonna get. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing do it in secret. Your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't be like a hypocrite. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you that's the only reward you get. But when you pray, go to your room. Shut the door and pray to your father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. Now, the proper prayer. When you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them because your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven. Uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as is done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I start with Isaiah 30, 19b, how gracious he will be when you cry out for help. There's nothing like being human. There's nothing like acknowledging that we all need help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. This tells us that God wants us to call on him with our concerns, with our problems, with our pains. God stands prepared to hear us. Colossians 4:2 tells us to devote yourself to prayer, be watchful and thankful. Prayer for some people is like talking to God in the shower, driving down the street, and for others, it's very formal and ritual. But no matter where, no matter what time, your prayer, whether it's structured or not, will be heard by God. So in Matthew, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, it basically means just be real. God knows you. He knows what you want and what you need and what you're going to ask for. And he wants that relationship with you. That's the nature of God. It's not about the words you use and how you say it. It's the fact that you actually called on him, that you turned to him that you bowed your knees, and if your knees are like mine, you may not bow them anymore, but you bow your head, that you call his name, that you lean into him when the storms of life are hitting you so hard that all your friends and all your neighbors are not able to give you the answers and the help that you really, really need. Because God has provided a way for us to talk to him, personally, it tells me, that God wants a relationship with me, what about you? The key to a relationship is communication. Praising God, asking for forgiveness, giving thanks to God, requesting and making petitions, whatever it is, he wants to know that you're looking toward him for those things. When Jesus started that prayer with our Father, do you realize that sent a message to everybody in the world that he's God and you are his child because of your faith in Christ? Now let me back up. I feel like I'm really going to preach this one. Because of your faith in Christ. There are a lot of Christians. There are a lot of people who do good things. There are a lot of people that go to church. There are a lot of people that follow Christ. But because of your faith in Christ, that means you are a child of God. Because you believe and received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. So let me say it again. Our Father tells us that all people are children of God because of their faith in Christ. To all who believe in Jesus and accept him, he gave the right to become the children of God. One of my shocking days at Eden Seminary was when I had a class in Biblical Studies one, and a student in the back of the room, and thank God she was a United Methodist because I don't know if I could take it if she was, she said, Teacher, I'm okay with all the things in the Bible except the Jesus part. You could have heard a pin drop. Everybody was like, oh. It's okay, though, because there are people who are traveling that road. There are lots of people who are there. So the belief part for us must be in place. That's what I'm saying to you this morning. John 1, 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. For when we believe in Jesus, we are reborn. Not a physical birth, but a birth that comes from God. We are praying to our Father in Christ. This includes the fatherless. Psalm 68, five tells us a father to the fatherless and he's a defender of the widows, God in his holy dwelling. You know, we call God by a lot of names. Jesus referred to God as Abba, A-B-B-A, Greek translation, daddy. Well, I came from AME Zion church. So at least 10 years ago, a very young pastor preaching to a congregation that was seasoned, decided to refer to Jesus as his daddy. Well, between my mother and all the other people in the pews, I thought we were all gonna exit the building. It's actually a Greek translation. It's the comfort. It's the realization that comes to us that we are beneath him. There is somebody that we submit to and that language helps us to grasp that. So there are other modern day words for our Heavenly Father. God, Lord Jesus, Jehovah, Messiah, and in the Old Testament, Elohim, El Shaddai, Adonai, and Yahweh, but from Genesis to this day there's been a God there's been a God who's acknowledged in some form or fashion who's prayed to whose children look to him for all the challenges that they've been through or continue to go through which art in heaven speaks to God being universal acknowledge and take a heart This day that the Lord is given in heaven above, in and on earth below. There is no other. Deuteronomy 4.39. Jesus could have used any and all of those names to speak about closeness and personal relationship and deep rootedness and connection. But bottom line, if we can call him daddy, I can tell you this. He is someone who cares about you. For me, the heart of the message is believing and receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior and not just being a Christian. It is possible that I could be just a Christian. Jesus told his followers to address God as Father, that their loving Father would care for all their needs, those who trust and receive him. Main point. He's your father. Rather, you have an earthly father or earthly remembrance of someone who cared for you like a father should or could have, you have a father, every one of us. Point number two, hallowed be thy name. Translation is name made holy. Hmm. Where we go and our behavior reflects our God, because God is holy. If we're children of God, our behavior is holy. I know we challenge ourselves to be holy. I do too, but we worship and praise him and serve him who is holy, who is awe, who is awesome. In the book of Genesis, as a great example, we learn some things that Abraham did. He made God's name holy everywhere he went. Abraham built altars. Altars. That's his signature. That's how he made God holy. A place where he believed humans and God could meet at the altar. He built an altar of praise where people would praise God in Genesis 12, 1, 7. He built an altar of prayer later where we would learn to pray and worship God. That's in Genesis 12, 8 through 13. The third altar he built was an altar of peace. He was teaching God's people that there's to be no strife, that we're to live together, Lord, help us, because we're struggling with that right now. That's in Genesis 13, 14 through 18. And the fourth altar, and there might be more after this, but he builds an altar of provisions, whereas the act of you give, God gives, receiving supplies, sacrifices. Chapter 22, verse 9 through 14. Wow. Wow. Abraham did something I'm gonna challenge you to do, live in a way that attracts others to God. It really predates the Great Commission. It really is the same thing, but to carry it in us and to speak it, and to love people, and to find ways to help people love each other is our job. My parents told me long time ago, Sheila, when you walk out of this house, People don't see you. They see Stella and Preston. Some of you are giggling because you had a mama and a daddy like that too. They don't say there goes Sheila. There goes Stella and Preston's daughter. Because you do represent whose you are. And more importantly, you represent God. And if you have that challenge in life, you would know that the job is to at least maintain the standards that were given to you and cherish them. In Canaan, and I'll finish with Abraham, he went there to build that last altar. The Canaanites, you know, when you're from out of town, people don't want to deal with you when they don't know you. You know, what high school you go to? That means you don't, you don't live here. We don't know you, so you're kind of on the out So in Canaan, he kept building the altar anyway. The Canaanites finally said, we will work with Abraham. And the reason we're gonna work with Abraham, is because we figured out something. The God that he worships must be holy, amen? They saw it in him and they'll see it in you too. And that's the encouragement that I'm presenting to you this morning when I show you what it is that Abraham did. So it was Jesus, the use of the words Abba, that upset the religious leaders. They charged him with blasphemy and crucified Jesus for saying that he was the son of God. Well, Jesus paid the price